Welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source for all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Andrew Pride, and today we've got a returned guest to talk about supplier financing. Marie Kling is Global IFRS Leader for Financial Instruments and Financial Services at PwC. So welcome, Marie. Hello, Andrea. Happy to be here. Okay, Marie, so in recent years, we've seen an increased use of supplier financing, sometimes called uh, reverse factoring arrangements. And these supplier financing arrangements have also made headlines recently as well. Um, So let's go back to the beginning. What is supplier financing and why do companies need to use it? Sure, Andrea. So usually it's an effort to efficiently manage working capital. So companies are looking to extend the term of their trade payables. So typically I see it done concurrently sort of with the establishment of a program with financial institution or a bank. And usually the the supplier's finance arrangement kind of serves two purposes. So the first one is to act as the company's paying agent, so to to pay the company's supplier on its behalf on the date the payables are due. The second leg is sort of to provide liquidity to the company's suppliers that seek payment before the due date. So again, there's usually three parties to these arrangements. So the, the supplier who supplies the good, the buyer, and the financial institution or the bank. Okay, so how does this affect the accounting and reporting? So these arrangements usually contain a variety of provisions and and some of these provisions may require a company to present the liabilities separately from trade payables. And that separate presentation can then have an impact on debt covenants or leverage ratios. Additionally, there's also a statement of cash flow implications that need to be considered. Okay, that makes sense. So I know back in December 2020, the IFRS Interpretations Committee issued an agenda decision on supplier financing arrangements. And as that was an agenda decision, what it meant was that the Interpretations Committee isn't going to be taking any action, but it has explained its reasons and people are obviously very interested in those reasons. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. So there were really four areas um, addressed by the agenda decision. The first one was the recognition of the financial liability. The second two areas were around presentation, first in the statement of financial position and as well as in the statement of cash flows. And the last area was disclosures under existing standards, so primarily IS1 and IS7. And we always come to disclosures last. Um, right. But let's talk about each of those areas. So first, let's look at the, the derecognition, the potential derecognition of the financial liability. What's the issue here? Yeah, so, so the issue there is, is whether that original liability, the trade payable to the supplier, should be derecognized, and then a new liability to the bank should be recognized. And, and that's really important because if the trade payable is derecognized, then the new financial liability needs to be recognized at fair value. And then uh, there may be a gain or loss based on the difference between the carrying amount of the original uh, liability less the fair value of the new liability. So what will need to happen there is to come that the entity will need to consider the derecognition requirements in IFRS 9 when assessing whether and when to derecognize that trade payable. And so at, at a high level, the derecognition rules um, sort of look at whether the trade payable has been extinguished. Um, mm-hmm. That's one instance where you would derecognize or the other instances where the terms are substantially modified. Okay. And did we get any more guidance from the on this? So not really, not not a lot of uh, new guidance. So what companies will have to do is assess 
again, whether the arrangement, so the supplier financing arrangement modifies the trade payable substantially so that it should be considered a new arrangement. So for example, what I've seen in practice is that the arrangement could alter the economics um, of the payable substantially, such that then from an accounting perspective, um, one would conclude that the original liability has been extinguished and a new liability has been created. Okay, so what are some of the questions that we should be thinking about? Yeah, so some of the questions are, you know, has there been a change in payment terms, such as a change in date when the supplier finance arrangement was introduced? Does the arrangement sort of affect the timing of the cash flows? So with respect to the timing of payment, could also be early payment discounts, were the, the treatment of credit notes affected, and also is there a payment of late interest, for example? Also, sometimes in those arrangements, we can see that a parent or another group entity entered into a joint or several liability. Um, there could be cross-default clauses or guarantees that are entered into as well in conjunction with the uh, supplier finance arrangements. Those are some of the typical questions that, that we would consider. But what's key to remember really is that the analysis needs to consider all of the indicators in totality. Now, while some indicators may carry more weight than others, um, it's important to look at it in totality. So typically cross-default closes or guarantees would be an important indicator pointing towards the recognition. Um, so that would carry a little more weight maybe than other indicators. Okay, so you have to think about lots of different things and there's still going to be judgment um, in all of this. So let's move on to the next topic, which was the presentation in the balance sheet, the statement of financial position. What's the issue for the presentation here? Yeah, so, so if you conclude that the trade payable is recognized and a new liability is recognized, IS1 will need to be considered, uh, in particular in terms of how to present that new liability in the statement of financial position. Now, IFRIC didn't go as far as to say that if you recognize a new liability, it must be presented separately as a loan. Um, similarly, the committee also didn't say that if a new liability is not recognized, then the liability continues to be a trade payable. Um, so again, what the, the committee or IFRIC reinforced is that one needs to consider the characteristics of the liability in accordance with IS1. Okay. And help those of us who've forgotten what IS1 says, can you, can you give us a quick reminder? Sure. So in applying IS-1, um, what the committee sort of told us is that an entity presents liabilities are part of the supplier finance arrangement as part of trade and other payables only when those liabilities have a similar nature and function to trade payables. So for example, when the liabilities are part of a, a working capital used in the normal operating cycle. Really, the important point that the committee clarified is that an entity should present these liabilities separately from, from trade and other payables, really when the size, the nature, or the function and timing of those liabilities makes a separate presentation relevant to the understanding of the financial position. So, you know, personally, I continue to think that if the terms are changed such that a new liability is recognized, that's usually a strong indication that the nature and function of the liability now is sufficiently different to warrant um, presentation of something other than trade and other payables. But again, the key point, I think, to remember is that judgment will be required and, and clear and transparent uh, presentation and disclosures will be key. Okay, that makes sense. So supplier finance is all about cash flows. So what did the IFRIC tell us about the presentation in the statement of cash flows? 
Sure. So yes, you also need to consider about cash flow statement presentations. So here again, DFRIC did not provide any further guidance on how an entity might determine whether it was a party to a cash flow. So if a cash inflow and a cash outflow occur for the entity when the invoice is factored as part of the uh, supplier financing arrangement, the entity would present those cash flows in its statement of cash flows. On the other hand, if there's no cash inflow nor outflow uh, for the entity in the in the arrangement, then the entity would disclose the transaction elsewhere in the financial statements in a manner that provides relevant information about the uh, about the arrangement. Okay, and last but not least, disclosures. So there are no specific supplier finance arrangement disclosures, but they are disclosures that are relevant in other standards. Um, could you tell us about those, please? Sure. So AS7, for example, requires an entity to provide disclosures that enable the users of the financial statements to evaluate changes in liabilities arising from financing activities. Um, and again, such disclosure is required for liabilities that are part of a supplier financing arrangement if the cash flows um, for those liabilities were classified as cash flows from financing activities. Also, significant judgments in NIS-1 need to be considered. So to the extent any significant judgments were made in terms of due recognition or presentation, um, those key judgments would need to be disclosed in accordance with IS-1. So, so really here again, I think the overall message is that to the extent an entity has material um, supplier financing arrangements, the disclosure should be clear, but also sufficient really for user to understand the impact on financial performance and the statement of financial position. So that seems reasonable, just clear enough to understand what's going on. So the agenda decision seems to have pulled from a number of different strands from all different standards, but putting all of this together, what does it all mean? Sure. So, so key points to remember, if, I think I have my top five here. So starting with number one, I think it's important to remember that the financial statements need to fairly present the financial position, performance and the cash flows. So fair presentation is number one. Number two is what does fair presentation actually mean? And really, it requires faithful, faithful representation of the effects of that arrangement, sort of in accordance with the definition recognition criteria set out in the framework for assets, liabilities, and income and expenses. Number three would be uh, that separate presentation of those liabilities arising from supplier financing arrangement is required, again, when they are sufficiently different in nature of function or they're relevant to the understanding of the financial position. Number four would be around judgment. So again, the accounting here might require the use of judgment. So it's key for entities to make clear and transparent disclosures surrounding um, these arrangements when they're material and explain the judgments that were made. And item number five would just be a, a reminder that IFRIC actually noted in its agenda decision that really making materiality judgments involves both qualitative and quantitative considerations. So those are my, uh, my top five points to remember. Okay, so thank you, Marie, for that nice summary of the issues. And also thank you for joining me again in this podcast. To all our listeners, I think it would be worth your keeping an eye out for our forthcoming in-depth publication, which talks about supplier financing in a bit more detail. And then all that remains for me to say is to thank you to all our listeners. Stay safe and happy accounting. Bye, everyone. The preceding programme was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers, LLP. This content is for general information purposes 
and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.